why were you telling me it was you were saying it's it's actually interesting to learn about the process of basketball uh te- like like actual proper basketball because right. a lot of yeah, Asian so players we never were, got it. We were just talking in the room uh a little before. Kerry's so. here by the way. Kerry and Han. Let's go. Right. What's going Hello. on? Hanchi? Chu Chu. Han Chu. Han Chu. And the voice of the Han people. That, hey. Actually, that is that is my Chinese name. <laughs> Come on, man! Yeah, yeah, I do my research. Yeah, yeah, do it's not research. like you told me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, Kerry, just to quickly fill in, we were in the room, and Atem uh, was just telling me how KB was teaching him about basketball, like how to do low post moves and this and that. I kind of mentioned like we should share this. A lot of uh, the ballers that in BSBL or out there. Um, they don't have that luxury of proper coaching, like gone through proper coaching. Mm-hmm. So I thought like it will be very cool if like Atam along with probably KB along with someone else and actually like break down some of the things about basketball, like the techniques, like the dribblings, like the low post move that you were talking about, like the repetition, what you need to do to get better. I think that that could be very beneficial for all the ballers out there that uh, in the past uh, probably did not get that opportunity. But now through possibly this podcast, they could also reach out to us or you guys and get that opportunity um, and train and get better. Can I ask Kerry first, how did you learn how to play basketball? Um, I started playing basketball as a kid. Uh Originally, I played soccer growing up, but my parents oh, thought it'd be... You're a legend. My parents thought <laughs> it'd too. be a little bit better to p- start playing an indoor sport because yeah. of the sun and whatnot. And so I uh, picked up basketball at school, joined a club, uh, and that's how I started. I would say, like, my initial coaches... Originally, when, it, when you play club here, they're just, you know, volunteer coaches. They're, yeah. not, they're not overly qualified or anything. And so... Um, but that's where I picked up my basketball. Just learning, learning from them, learning from my friends. But it started off really unserious, really just just playing, just playing for fun. Yeah, what yeah. A, like what age was this? Uh, probably like fourteen. Yeah, 14? fourteen, fifteen. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's a little late, later than usual. Yeah, because it wasn't my first sport. I tried. I played a bunch of other things growing up. I did swimming. I did tennis, mm. soccer for a while, and then um, started playing basketball and just kind of dropped the rest off and stuck with basketball. Hmm. I was kind of like, when I first got on a, like a real basketball court, you know, like Met West and Met East mm, and all that mm, stuff. Mm. It was like Sunny Bank Hills State School and, you know, I'm tall or whatever. Mm. And I played on the streets watching N1 and stuff before, but I was a soccer guy. Mm. And I remember our first like session. You might know this guy. There was all these good kids, fucking great players. But this kid was a hundred times ahead of everyone. Oscar Lin. I promise to God. That was one of the first. Yeah, I think I know. We I know, think we, we know, know Oscar. You think you may know him. Uh, it's uh, pretty Dude, elite. Oscar Lin was like inc- at such a young age. Incredible. He's just blown by guys making layups. I'm like, ooh, a layup? Left hand, left hand layup? Mm. <laughs> and like just going in between guys. And and he was, he was a little bigger than everyone 
He was regular. He was regular at first because this was young. We, we were still very young. Uh, are you what? Are you now, comparing height or the size? No, the size. Now, now, now he's massive. Oh, as he got older, he got he got massive. He hurt my ribs in a QBL game, by the way. I got to talk to him about that. When I was playing for Ipswich. Talk to Eric. Man, that was just, I remember, I couldn't breathe <laughs> for a second. But uh, like you said, the coaches weren't really invested. Mm. Um, so I remember they used to just get me to throw the ball on the backboard while the other team is doing their session. Mm. Throw the ball against the backboard, catch it, and then put it back in. Mm. I'm like, are you serious? I'm watching N one and all this stuff, and I'm just like, are you are you serious? But you know, then slowly added drop step, and that was that was the extent of it. Well, I remember when we first learned the three man weave, I was mind blown, and I took it back to the hood, and I got all my guys, and we were on the street, like just on the street doing three man weaves mm. for like two hours, just just doing three man weave by ourselves. And I was just like, now that I look back, that was just the most basic of basketball, like at all. But it didn't get to when I finally went, when I was 14, I finally went to St. James. And like I was telling Han, Kieran taught me the the process of like learning mm-hmm. and how to think about it. So on the high post, I still remember in the high post, he was like, yo, the way you learn this is it's a sequence. So when you're facing the other hoop and you're at the high post, he was like, all right, you throw it to yourself. That's the first thing. And then you go catch it. You know, jump on a hop step, land on two. Then the next, uh, the next sequence is you turn, you turn your head over your shoulder and then you drop step. And then now you face the hoop, shoot five of it. Bang, after you shoot five, you do the same process and you're talking yourself through it. All right, throw the ball, catch, head over the shoulder, drop step and so now uh you go through the process okay you've already shot so now the players and you made it now the player is gonna go for the pump fake you pump fake one dribble go you know go make a layup and then all right after you make five of those layups you go add a pump fake down at the at the when you get to the hoop or or a spin move or whatever and i still remember that session so clearly because that was the first time I learned like a whole sequence. And I don't think people know the importance of that because that, that, that's what started everything. Learning from like that one spot ended up being the same process in the, in the, in the 45, the short corner, the low post, you know, top of the key, learning a new move. That process ended up being the same thing for everything in basketball. And Han, you were saying, like, I, I still get shocked that mo- a lot of people didn't get that. No. Um, not all of us are that fortunate um, to to you learn from probably some of the best. Um, KB definitely out there, one of the best coaches uh, I've seen. But, yeah, not all of us uh, are that fortunate. So, But you've taught. You said you taught students, right? I taught, yeah, I have students uh, in my lab and all that. I work with them and, yeah. So they're a little older, but they're older. Um, they're, they're a little bit older. Uh, like they, they're doing their PhDs and, and all that. Okay, they're, oh, they're, they're, they're grown. They're grown. They're, like, they're not kids. Like They're probably like uh, 18 to, well, probably not 18, but um, probably 21 to 25 or old, older. Okay. But anyone that's coming in the lab, like it's not an age. 
like it's more about an experience. experience. Like if you're not experienced enough, like I'm still going to teach you. Like so, at the most base, the person with the least experience, how do you go about that? When someone comes in, they're fresh. They've never been in a lab, really. Well, they have, but you have to well, teach them something. Well, I guess at the end, it depends on what project they're working on. Uh, if they're going to be uh, doing what we so-called wet lab, as in physically doing work inside the lab, yeah. then it normally it'll come to me and then I'll just run through the procedure, like a safety procedure, for example, um, and what type of ex- experiment you need to do and that type of experiment, then what type of technique you need and then literally I'll train them like basketball from scratch, like bit by bit. And why we're doing this. I have students that... They get bored? Uh, I actually like teaching. <laughs> I don't mind it. And uh, my So do way, they get bored? Oh, they get... Um, yeah, no, some of them, first day, without even really understanding the protocol or the procedure or anything... Ask me, oh, Han, this is a, like, you t- you're telling me this is a three-day protocol. Can we cut it down to two or one? I was like, you don't even know why we're doing this and why it requires three days. And the first thing you ask me is whether we can shortcut it to one day. So I was like, you're not learning. Same so I don't do that. That's, why I, asked, to that's why I asked that. Because no. the process is boring sometimes. Yeah. But again, you just have to go through the process. Yeah before you can then do your own things. Whether you can find shortcuts or this and that, then it's up to you. You learn, but you need to learn the basic first before we moved on. That's mm-hmm. how I teach as well. How about, uh, Kerry, you teach kids. I do, I work um, at schools. You're a speech pathologist? That's right, it's my day job. I like that. Yeah. So what's that like? How, how'd you get into it? Why did you get into it? And then I want to, ask about like the actual process of teaching yeah why i got into it so after school i wanted to do something in the health field something uh in uni didn't know what it was but Mm. i gave uh, i had some friends who were doing speech and so through talking to them i kind of understood what that role entailed um what it what it kind of looked like uh, as a career and so i went down that route uh, in uni Mm -hmm. and then turned out not too bad, you know, made some good friends in university, had a good time uh, and then went out to work. When I first, my first job was working with children with autism. Mm-hmm. So I did that for about two years and um, so all children with autism, very young children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was uh, pretty eye-opening for me uh, in terms of uh, dipping my toes into like the world of disability and supporting. Um, How young? Uh, those kids were aged two to six, two to six. Okay. So very young. Um, and if you imagine like a six-year-old um, with autism, mm-hmm. probably behaves more like a, you know, one to two-year-old, you know, it depends. So mm-hmm. we get those sorts of children. And then I moved on to... Um, what was that What was that like at first? Your first, yeah. like your first, is it a first day of like, yeah. what, what was that like? So I did, I did some learning about... Um, what autism was and uh, working in disability. But as you can imagine, like your entire uni degree, they try to squeeze so many things in into your four-year bachelor's. Yeah. And so I really only got a taster. But, you know, when, you know when they say you learn on the job, you really do learn on the job. Yeah. Um, so first day, it was pretty confronting because all my life I didn't – I had never 
I didn't have anyone close to me that had autism, mm -hmm. um, let alone like a, a child with autism. So I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. um, so you look into, you know, first day on the job, you see kids uh, go into like a meltdown over like a really small, really small thing that like a, a normal child wouldn't. Mm. Uh, and then their meltdown is a lot bigger and exaggerated than, um, you know, children that you've seen before. Yeah. Uh, and so you're working with a team, you're trying to learn how to best support these kids. Um, what they're doing is really normal. How can we, you know, get them to live a better life or get them to a state where they can do some learning? Mm -hmm. So that's what that uh, looked like. Uh, it required a lot of patience, but I think that um, once you understood that these kids really needed this time, really needed this patience to be able to learn, um, I think it made your time worthwhile. Mm -hmm. You didn't think you were wasting your time. You think, okay, there is a process to this uh, and I just have to stick by the process and hopefully support them get them to a better place in a year's time than they would have been without you. Mm. So that's what, that's the mindset that I had. Uh, and then I moved on to mainstream schools. Um, so dealing with kids that you'd see at a, at a regular school, a school that you would have attended mm -hmm. and now I support kids who have uh, communication difficulties mm -hmm. uh, or uh, literacy or learning uh, difficulties to so try to support them mm -hmm. uh, the best I can in the classroom. So a lot of my work. Was this uh, just offered by the school, sorry, or were were those kids, was it like private tutoring type of thing? So most state schools now will have uh, some funding for a, a government speech pathologist. Okay. Um, smaller schools will get small uh, less time. Bigger schools will get more time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you go back to your school, your primary school, you probably had a speech pathologist at the school, but yeah. you probably didn't need need support from them. So you never saw them or you did probably didn't have friends who saw them. So, uh, I mean, I had to learn English, so. That is different. Yeah, you're right. Different. That wasn't a, that wasn't yeah. a speech impairment. Oh, like yeah, like communication difficulty. Yeah, okay. You, we have true, like true. they call it like the ELD English as an additional language or dialect. Mm -hmm. So those are uh, they used to be called ESL. These so are those ESL. Kids, oh man, I used to love yeah. ESL. Yeah, I was, I was there too. Man. <laughs> ESL. Oh my god, I love you. ESL too. ESL was lit. Shout out to all the ESL kids, man. Look where we are now. Um. <laughs> yeah, so that's what that's what my day job looks like. Just going to the schools to support kids one on one, or I support teachers to support the kids who need that support in their classroom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that's what that looks like. But in terms of teaching, teaching kids, I'm not so much teaching them, um, but I'm there to, uh, I guess, support them and give them the skills to catch up from what they what they've missed or what they have missed, uh, what they are going to miss in the classroom. Um, when it comes to teaching kids, I did a little bit of coaching myself in terms of basketball, um, basketball. yeah, a okay. little bit of basketball coaching. Okay. Uh, it was quite young. I think I did like uh, like under tens, under twelves, and so these kids are really there just to have fun, and they're not so much the 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 way to play and how to do things properly is not so important as uh, creating an environment where you know, it's fun and enjoyable for them, mm -hmm. um, both in training and also in the game environment. I think that. Um, probably the most important thing that I learned was how to teach these kids to lose because even though they may be similar skilled to the other teams that they play, um, but no kid wants to lose. What kind of 10-year-old wants to lose a basketball game on a Saturday morning? Yeah. None of them yeah, do. Some, so, don't, some don't. Yeah. Well, what's, what's something practical? I like what's a practical tip that uh, you see improves kids' actual speech? Hmm. Or, and then also those 10 year olds on the court, like an actual practical thing they can practice or 
do in that in that moment or that you noticed you, you have to reiterate a lot yeah i think being a model is really important so for kids that we work with we always tell parents be a good model whether that be be a good language model or the language that you're using or be mm. a good model with the speech that you're using mm. um, some kids will very naturally without additional therapy be able to fix their own errors or be able to uh learn things that they didn't learn uh, didn't know before okay. so being that model is really important mm. um on a, as a coach i think being a model uh like when you're losing for example mm. how do you lose gracefully um with sportsmanship how are you going to react after the game finishes shake the players hands shake the coach uh, the other coach's hand mm-hmm. that being a model i think is the most important thing for these kids because you can tell them x and y and do this and do that and Oh, we lost. It's okay. We're going to have another game next week. But it's really hard for them to process that uh, amongst the emotions that they're feeling. And so mm-hmm. I think in anything that we do um, with children, yes, we may need to teach them things explicitly, mm-hmm. give them a, a, a textbook or um, worksheets to work through. But I think being a model uh, is probably Actually the greatest teacher um, for yeah. children in, in a lot of contexts. I think people underestimate communication in basketball. Yeah. Like, I remember growing up, damn near every team I've been on from under six, 18s to like actual grown, like grown teams. A lot of teams, it's really hard to communicate. Like, I don't know what it is. It's really hard to, to get, come out of your shell and mm. actually, because we know it, you're, you're going to be better. Mm. Like teams who actually can commu- when you see a team who's communicating like mm. rotations and this, you, you you get intimidated as an offensive mm. player. And as a defensive player, you feel more confident about actually doing it. But you, like, because you know your teammate has your back when you communicate. Mm. As yeah. like, oh cutters, cutters, oh, yeah. behind, oh, screen left, screen right. You know your teammates there for you as well. A lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, some people are shy, they just don't talk. Like, no matter how you encourage them on the basketball court, they like, be more vocal, but they just don't talk. And, yeah. I've seen, I've seen, you know, remember on NBA, uh, on ESPN, they used to have those NBA quick 15-minute shows. And you would see, like, LeBron being mic'd up or, or one of the star players. Be, yo, they're yelling all game. They just, they're, like, over-talking, just saying anything. And, like, I don't think people understand, like... I think people know the impact of that. So I think, yeah. I think people who play at a higher level understand the impact just because at that higher level, there's that expectation for you to communicate. Yeah. The, the better teams do have to communicate. And I think that the coaches have that expectation on you. I can speak from experience. Like personally, I'm not a very outgoing, extroverted person, but I, I think... I disagree, Kerry. I disagree. <laughs> I completely yeah, disagree. I disagree. <laughs> Han knows you better than I do. Uh, so yeah, I, nah. is he lying? Is he telling uh, fibs? Yeah, no. Yeah, look okay. at him. The older per- friends. Per- personally, personally, I think. <laughs> okay, but okay, okay. when I was when I was growing up, yeah, yeah like I un- completely understand like teammates wouldn't communicate. But then I got over that hump to, um, I guess like that awkwardness or that shyness to where you know, it's okay to yell on a basketball court to talk about those things. It's like the expectation. How'd you get over that hump? Um, I just realized that as a basketball player, like that's okay. Like I I can be a bit louder than usual. I can be a bit more awkward than usual on the basketball court Mm -hmm. for the sake of the basketball team. Mm. And I think that the coaches can preach that 
um, coaches, I think growing up, coach, coaches did preach that. And which, what, what good coach would not say, I don't know, we need to talk on defense more. We need to communicate a bit better. Um, I think going back to the model thing, having teammates who are good communication models on the court helped me out. Mm-hmm. So I know yeah. that, oh, my teammate yells all game, but no one thinks no one thinks he's weird. Yeah, yeah, Because that's, yeah. that's the thing to do. Yeah. And if you want to help your team win or be a leader or contribute in a way that, um, you know, is beyond your skills, yeah. like I You'll think, be encouraged by it. Yeah, of course. Can I also ask, can we see this as therapeutic? Like some mm. people probably like, they're just too shy to say stuff. They hold it back. But, you know, like sometimes all you need to do is just release it, let it out, mm-hmm. yell. So I, I, I don't know, like coming from Kerry, what Kerry just said, wondering like if you actually have four kids like going out there and be more vocal and maybe just let it all out, like it, can, it, can we see this as therapeutic benefits? I see it like I see, Here's a practical tip. I see it like that. One of the, okay, so one of the first things I learned was you have to separate who you are out off the court mm-hmm. to on the court. So like, um, okay, you have to kind of Kobe has this. He calls it a mama mentality. So when you step on the court, you kind of have to pre- pretend that this is not you now. This is your alter ego. This is your this is another side of you. That you usually so if you're a shy guy off the court, Kerry, once you're on the court, you could actually decide this is gonna be my most extroverted me or my most uh the highest potential of me once I'm on the uh, this is my super this is Superman of this is Superman Carry. Yeah. Off the court, I'm Clark Kent Carry. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, okay, so a practical like a way I actually and I, st- I still do this to this day sometimes. So KB told me this. So before you step on the court, like right before the game starts or right before training starts, this I used to have with training first. I'll tell myself real quick, just internally, okay, once I step in between these lines, I'm the best player on the court. It was just that simple. I just had to decide no matter who's gonna be who's on the court, who we're playing against, who's on my team. Whether I'm on the bench, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a starter, whether I, I'm only average five, whatever it is, once I step in between these lines, I'm the best player on the court. And I am my whatever goal you are, my NBA me, my whatever. So once you step on, you kind of just, you imagine that. You have to, you like, you start to feel that. And I think that's, that is therapeutic. So like when you watch those clips of, you know, uh, you watch Jordan, you watch Kobe, you watch LeBron, and he's over-communicating and stuff. My my favorite player used to be, like, Paul Pierce and KG, especially KG. He, once he's on the court, he's a nutcase, <laughs> you know? So, like, once I step on that court, I'm acting as if I'm that player on the court. So LeBron is over-communicative. That's a what? Over-communicative? Over-communicative? Yeah. Don't know. Wow. We need KB here too. We need someone here. We need yeah. a Google. We have we have a laptop here. <laughs> we should just look we at. need someone who actually we never attended ESL. Yeah, we, we just <laughs> want to ESL guys. <laughs> I had a lot of great times in ESL, man. But people have a lot of like blow ups because it was a, it was a struggle. 
It was. I mean, what? Yeah, it was a struggle, yeah. man. <sighs> anyway, so like, yeah. So you'd be on the court pretending that, and I think a lot of people still because I've given this advice to to like a couple of the high school kids we coach, and they still don't feel it's okay to do that. And there's different ways to do it. Like some some way sometimes I'll do it in terms of being quiet. I don't have to fucking talk to anyone. Fuck all of you. I'm I'm here to do me. I'm here to focus on me. And on the court, sometimes people could see you as like, oh, he's weird. But the people who've really done that process, they most they they understand, they respect they understand it. it. They understand yeah. it because they have to go to that place too. Yeah. And I like I'll try to tell a lot of the like, yo, this thing is really. It's really hard to try to be your best. Like you have to constantly, well, the way I see it, is go to another place. And you may be judged for it. You know, how many people hated Kobe when he was here? Mm. Selfish guy, mm. this, that. Like, KB too. K- you didn't hate Kobe. KB loved Kobe's selfishness, but he used to point it out. Like, dude, this guy. Anyway, like a lot of people used to really, really dislike Kobe's way of things. Mm. But going back to the question... <laughs> Uh, the the statement I think it is therapeutic, to because you're forgetting everything outside. Yeah, like you're forgetting everything off the court, and you're using that time to let off some steam. I think like even just being able to yell on the mm. top of your like top of your voice. When mm. else can you do that? You can't do that. There's nowhere else. Yeah, that, exactly. well, there's nowhere that's acceptable. Exactly. But some people could see that. Like I mean, all aspects of a sport is therapeutic. I think the mm. physical aspect, but then. Having that, um, yeah, that that ability to let off anything really—you can scream at the top of your lungs, and it's accepted. Mm. I mean, bringing bringing to your point, like, who doesn't like a loud bench? Your teammates on the bench, who are loud and up and cheering. Mm. Um, you can spend a lot of time on the bench being loud. Mm. That's free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's acceptable, isn't yeah. it? And opponent acceptable. hates it. Exactly. Opponents hate it. Yeah, yeah. but your teammates love you. Yes. For it. And when else can you do that? Not at a concert, maybe. But day-to-day life, you, you can't. You really can't. Yeah, but on a basketball court once a week. Imagine just walking week. outside right now down the Melbourne yeah. streets and <laughs> just yelling stuff. Yeah. People would think you're crazy. You would be. But would on a court, you know. You, you might be crazy to a person who doesn't know basketball. Who doesn't know that. But yet. everyone in the basketball circle, even if you're a very casual fan, you know that it's acceptable to be loud on a court. Mm. Fans like it too. Of course. You know, I think coach sometimes uses this to see who's actually in the game or not, even though you might be sitting on the bench. Yes. But the coach see you like cheering your teammates on, uh, clapping and doing this and that. I think that shows that you're engaged. engaged. And probably I'm not a coach myself, but I would say – Coach that. well, that, that that team. I don't even want to mention them. Okay, I manage that team. I don't need to coach. You uh, propel them to to different heights. All right, yeah, through um, many different tactics, <laughs> legal and illegal. I'll just say that. Oh, man, just we're say back that. to this again. <laughs> back to this. Every conversation. Comes yeah, to this. every conversation. I, I love it. I love it. No, but I think that as a coach. Um, yeah, like if I'm putting someone on mm. for or substitution, I want someone that's engaged that knows what's happening in the game. If you sit at the end of the bench, dead quiet, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, well, are you even in the game? Mm-hmm. Like, are you even mentally here? Mm-hmm. If not, then I have other guys 
like normally 12 people, you have seven bench. So there's plenty of players that can go on to do your job if you don't want to play. Mm. So I think be vocal, it's definitely important. And like we say, if it's therapeutic, why not? Just go out there and cheer and yell and like, yeah, support your team. Where do you get that out of Where? In the lab? In the science lab? Uh, I, I can't yell it in the lab. No, I have to be... These days you have to be gentle and careful what you say and what you do <laughs> with students. Yeah, you have to, yeah. Yeah, like they can report you to HR. You don't even know <laughs> what even happened. Joke. And it's like, Can't even joke. No, probably no. So, yeah, you have to be quite careful. But... Where's your what's your outlet? Good question. I actually never thought of it. I don't know. Like, I probably need one. Hmm. Um, but at the moment, no, I, I can't think of any. What would you be open to trying as an outlet? Have you tried anything that you thought would be a good little outlet for you? Or? Some people, some people don't need the same outlet yeah. that we're talking about, like that physical kind of expression of emotion like some people don't need it yeah maybe i don't need i think like i I just keep myself busy and i just i don't have the time to do do a lot of other things like if i just keep myself busy Mm. and like what you said the outlet like uh release my emotions and all that like no why if i'm busy i'm i'm working like a robot yeah and then maybe robot, like we said, you don't need that. There's no emotion. Yeah. And maybe that's Which I'm fine with it. And yeah. Yeah. So people don't need that that type of outlet. What's, what's some other ways? I mean, like art is one way. Yeah. Painting. Yeah. Music. Do you have anything like that? Any hidden talents, Gary? I don't have any hidden talents, um, but I do keep myself busy, like Han, like Han, like busy with work and then obviously I play basketball a few nights a week and that's my physical outlet Mm -hmm. Um, being able to take a break from sitting at my desk at work or being able to get fitter like that's my outlet I don't always have time where I can be yelling and shouting and screaming yeah I'll do that this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's fine. I'll be I'll so be this, in there this weekend. The Elevate tournament, of course, which BSBL is in. I'm just saying that. Thank you for bringing us, Han. No, thank thank you for bringing BSBL out. No, what we need to do is shout out to Jordan Jordan Chen. Yeah, yeah. Shout for out to bring Jordan. all of us here. He's very very enthusiastic about this yeah, tournament, definitely. which I which I like. Yeah, we like not only just BSBL players. He flew three um, Americans. Influencers, we probably could call them as yeah. well. Yeah, ball, ball ball ballers, 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 Yeah, um, hopefully we'll like get them onto the porca- podcast uh, a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. they want to. They want to. We're down the hall. <laughs> they having their relaxed time. They're good guys, eh? They're fun, they're, to, fun they, to chat with. They're cool dudes. Fun to yeah. chat. With. Cool dudes. We're cool at breakfast this morning. I heard you guys chatting and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. What else is in your spirit, man? What's, what's on you guys' spirit? Are you, are any of you into AI at all? Looking to AI? That stuff? Nah. I see. I see some crazy stuff. Like crazy. you get like um, artists making weird songs. You know, have you seen that sort of stuff? Yeah, Is that the AI you're talking about? Yeah, like I've, they, I've seen all that. They make um, fake videos and audio and pictures. I see a lot of that on social media. I think there's going to be a point very soon where we won't be able to differentiate what videos are real. Yeah. 
in what video. Like the other day we had to do a, a first aid course and there's some modules you have to do online. And the videos were like a person. We couldn't really tell at first if it was AI or not. Because, you know, it obviously had the, the very monotone AI voice kind of, but the face was very real. But we noticed that it kept, kept doing, there was like an algorithm with the head movements. And it just kept doing the same type of head movements after like saying something. And this is, this is pretty early on, bro. Like this is, we almost couldn't tell. Like it took a while to be like, wait, is that, is that AI teaching this, this, this thing? And I'm like, okay, there's going to be a point very soon where we won't be able to tell who's who, what's what. That's going to be scary. Yeah, it will be scary, I think. Then we, everyone will have to be more cautious. You know, you're not so quick to point the finger if you see something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad because obviously with with the advancements in that technology and mm-hmm. that can lead to great things for society. Um, but of course... It can be used in a way to defame people or to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just get get people. I'm nervous that, well, not nervous that, but like, but if it gets to a point, God, I like thinking about this crazy nonsense. <laughs> when it gets to a point where they automate all labor work, or most of it, right? Where we will get free time to do what we want. And say we're on like a universal income or something where now you have time to, if you choose to work, you can work. But you also have space to do whatever the hell you want. But that's a positive thinking from you. Why don't you think that they're going to replace us and we'll probably be out of work? But we're no well, longer needed. Do, now you get to do what you want. So you, you just want to be needed? We all need to be needed, but like... I, is there I something think, wrong with? I think the universal income is an important point here. If if there's no universal income, then no, I can't just do what I want because I still need to still need to support and earn some earn some sort of income. Well, if there wasn't, would we would be okay? Well, what uh, what if we don't need income? <laughs> Why do we need income if everything is handled? Because because I think it'll be first of all when when it all rolls out this kind of thing that you've got in your head yeah it'll be controlled by certain people me your average <laughs> i want to be part of your that. average person <laughs> you want to yeah, be that people <laughs> your, your average you. person like Khan and myself not, not you guys you. are not average let's not we are we won't get access to that we won't we won't be able to have something to do my work for me someone else will do, my boss will my boss will get something to do my job and then i'll be out of work and my boss isn't going to pay me what his robots doing for, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. so what am i going to do then to to make I, money i think it'll be open source where you can go create your own pathologist thing but then you'll be competing with richer people who can um do a better, do a better with these robots or you're competing AIs. anyway you're competing right now we you are just, you just won and got the job <laughs> how many people want your job right now Still in still in school. Who, as soon as they get out of school, they want to take your job. Yeah, true. You're competing. It's it's a it's a competitive workforce. You guys are just way above average. So you 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 went in the in the. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer you that. I don't know either. I just say nonsense. We're just. I guess it's one of those things we can only just wait and see. What do you think 2032 will look like in Brisbane? I, I say that because the Olympics is coming, obviously. We, we talked about it a bit in the car yesterday. Uh, ho- hopefully bring more people to Brisbane. I just feel like like I, I personally like Brisbane a lot um, I love with Brisbane. the warmth and everything. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's just sad when people when we talk about Australia, what? people only recognise Sydney and Melbourne. But really, Brisbane being the third biggest city in Australia, like, I think they have a lot to offer as well. I think we're the best city in, in Australia. Like, you agree? I, I enjoy Brisbane. Like, I, I personally prefer Brisbane yeah. for, yeah. for a number of reasons. I, is it the best? I, I think, like, for me, it's the best for my lifestyle. Is it objectively the best? How would you define that for most people? I think you get the best of both worlds because it's not as big as Melbourne and Sydney. But it's, it's still like a big city. It's not as small as, yeah. as some of the other places. Yeah. So I think you get the best of both. Like I enjoy coming to Melbourne, but three days max is good for me. <laughs> I, I don't need any. I don't need much longer. Yeah. I, can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine like a work week in Melbourne. You know, just one travel tra- in the city. Yeah, you know, how packed it, it, office getting yeah. I don't know. Freezing your just. Freezing. It's, yeah. yeah. I want to I wanna end on some other things. Oh, keep going. This is the essence of podcasting to me. No video, no... Just you guys are free to bring up anything you want and whatever you want to chat about. Han, I want to ask you, man. Pick up that. Come on, man. Get that mic up, man. I, I want to ask you something. All right, go. What does Taiwan mean to you? It's home. It's my root. Um, it's important. Um, family, still back there. Some family members, still back there. Um, and yeah, going back, maybe what I was, uh, what we were referring to before. I think going back, I relax myself. I try not to think too much, and um, put everything behind. And it's probably a place where I can actually get decent rest. Whereas over here, I'm just constantly thinking about how to improve things. Either work, basketball league, um, this and that. Whereas Taiwan, I'm away. I know I'm kind of on holiday. At least I try to enjoy myself. And with my families that I don't get to see for almost a year. Every year, like every year. So... No, nah, Taiwan's important. Yeah. Mm. Are you Taiwanese as well? I'm not Taiwanese. I'm Chinese. Okay. Um, but the difference between me and Han is my parents came over to Australia before I was born. Okay. So I didn't. I wasn't born in China. I didn't get to experience, make friends there. You were still in ESL. Yeah. Oh God damn, Kerry. Well, the reason for that. The reason for that is my. <laughs> the, the reason for that. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> It, it'll make sense when I tell you. <laughs> Sorry. My, <laughs> no, my, 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 par- my parents didn't speak a lick of English. Okay, so okay. At, in, in, at home, we didn't speak any English. Okay, okay, and so okay. my initial, I think I, I started like kindy or whatever, mm-hmm. but I had very basic, very basic exposure. To, okay. So that's why I turned. Okay, okay. My yeah, bad. If that's all right. I know. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> 
<laughs> Completely all right. How about yeah. you abuse the system? <laughs> How about you? <laughs> no, I came at six. I came at I came at seven. But you know, I already spoke two languages, so English was my. Th- it should be ETL for me. It was uh, ETL. It wasn't English. <laughs> it was ETL. Sorry, no saying I'm above you guys or anything. Uh, oh, little, it was that was my third language. But I lost my second language after learning English. I lost most of my Arabic mm. when I was here. I spent two years in Egypt and learned Arabic very quick. But I got disciplined for speaking too much Arabic at home. Anyway, so. so yeah, what's, your, what's your first language? Uh, Denka, Denka. And you're fluent still? Yeah. 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 Well, not, not like people back home, but yeah, I can definitely. That's the national language for? Yeah, for, for, for my tribe. For, like South Denka oh, people. for your tribe. There's a lot of different tribes in, okay. in Sudan. There's the Nuer people, the Denka people. Yep. Um, and there's those two main dialects, but, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I end up learning English and you know, what was crazy after coming here at seven and I kind of learned so much already in terms of like what behavior was acceptable or like the different, the cultures, I had a culture shock coming here. One, you know, the language barrier was a little thing, but just actual culture and what the norms were you you kind of you, you kind of get what i'm saying well school itself is very different oh i can't speak for for egypt and yeah. what schooling was like but maybe Han can speak what school yeah. what primary yeah, no, school I, I think primary like but in, i did primary school in new zealand i was in new zealand before oh, yeah. um coming over here and definitely it's a lot more chill uh a lot of people huddle up sitting on the ground what age did you go to new zealand uh, eight. At eight? Yeah. I was so you had already done a couple of years in yeah, Taiwan. Yeah, a few years in Taiwan. That's so grade eight, you go to grade four? Sorry, eight years no, old. No, eight you go years to grade old, I stayed to, three. I was 15, year 10, finish of year 10. But I'm saying you went from grade four to 10? Yeah, it'd be yeah, like three, something, four. Yeah, three or four. Three or four, to four yeah, to okay, 10. Okay, yeah. so that was a while. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry and, then move of, um, and then move to Brisbane. So was there the any studies. initial a barrier shock uh cultural differences no oh, uh, in actual fact i think most people probably will agree in some way is like at the beginning you think everything's easy you excel in like math everything because oh, like stereotype no 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 <laughs> because yes um you back home no no i, I would say probably back home as in taiwan back okay. then yeah. like uh we are a little bit more in terms of study, like the math, the science, mm-hmm. probably won't call it science, but we're not really doing real science at that age, mm-hmm. like math, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's definitely more advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you first started out, you think, ah, this is so easy. Mm-hmm. Like everything comes easy. You probably score like 100% each exam. Mm. But it's actually Never got a, a 99. No, huh? but it's actually a downfall as well because everything comes so easy. But it'll hit you really quick and hard that, oh, there's something that you started not knowing. And then if you don't study, you'll fall behind. And I actually think that might have happened to me. Hmm. Yeah, so that's probably somewhat of a shock as well. So not so knowing all this stuff at the beginning, it's not always beneficial. So I guess that's kind of the shock I got while I was back there. Did your parents 
push education like heavy super early on like from your child was there a certain like were you like scheduled to study and stuff at certain times and all that uh not so much scheduled to study but there's definitely an emphasis on academic achievement Mm -hmm. and i think the reason for that is because in asia not not just taiwan not just china Mm -hmm. um the university system is very different to what it's like here here if you want to study you just apply and you can like you'll get into some university for some degree yeah but in asia there's only so many limited spots Mm. academic spots Mm -hmm. for certain degrees Mm -hmm. and if you look at the population there are so many more people who are fighting for those limited number of spots Mm -hmm. and then you always hear the you always hear the saying like to get out of poverty is through education and that could be the same for a lot of other countries um not just not just in asia and so that that's why like the families that come over to like the western countries Mm -hmm. why do they push education so hard more than your average western family Mm -hmm. is because that's what that's their experience of education mm-hmm. from from overseas. Mm-hmm. My pers- my my parents personally were uh, a little bit more laid back in the sense that there's not so much, they understood there wasn't that same pressure okay. in Australia, mm-hmm. um, but they still wanted me to excel and do the best that I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I had like not so much scheduling, but like I you know I had tutoring and mm-hmm. um, yeah, a bit what a bit what Han touched on. I think the the pace of the curriculum is different in Asia. So for example, if we look at math, a grade one student here that um, that's learning their math, uh, they someone in Asia probably did that before school. Mm. Or if we use another example, like year one, uh, year one in Asia might be year two or year three math. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when they come over, they already know all this content. It's already easy. Um, and so unless they keep pushing themselves and staying ahead, then eventually they'll catch up to peers and like what Han said like it kind of hits you really hard because you don't have all that um prior knowledge that you had before mm-hmm. I'm fucking jealous of that no <laughs> no no nah, no no i am i am because as a culture you know we were pushed you know my my my, my mom told me early on you know like 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 your pen and paper is like it'd be like god to you kind of that's because we come from war-torn country and we're not there so that's that's said in theory here it's kind of put in your head but we don't do the practical steps or know how to actually go about it so like say you had tutors you know you had people who actually pushed you to Oh, in China, it's actually pushed to learn some of those things early, you know, so like so that you excel. Maths and science is highly, you know, it's highly regarded. What's pushed here? Fucking sports, <laughs> music, culture. Music is great. Sports is great. But what's pushed, especially to the, I'm not going to speak for the black community or anything, but as Africans and stuff, we we idolize the the Black American culture, or the American culture in general. So we idolize music, TV. I know this from personal experience. I used to love music videos and rappers and all this. And it's it's such a fucking hindrance to to 
to get out of poverty. <laughs> I, I, th- I think that um, to touch a little bit on what you're talking about, I think it, what plays a really big part is having role models that look like you yeah. in those spaces. Yeah. And so I think that if you – and obviously what you were speaking on, there are probably some, some not so great role models in those spaces. But if we're looking at the really, really good um, – I don't know, like black athletes that we look up to. If we if we didn't see them, then what what are we chasing after, or what are we achieving, or what are our parents pushing us to do? If there's no one in this field to kind of be that model for us to look at, is the issue the models are there? Yeah, they're just not pushed or advertised. They're not shown, especially recently. Just to speak from South Sudanese perspective, there's there's people in the medical field we have engineers <laughs> like we we have people who are academic and 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 we have these models they're not pushed we only push the sports the musicians in america like black people invented a lot of things in america as we speak we don't know their names <laughs> you know what i mean we, we know lebron michael jordan which is great. I'm not. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. I'm just saying, what's pushed is not. So, for example, I hear. I hear. I don't know if this is true or not. TikTok, for example, the algorithm that's pushed in China is very different to the U.S. in here. Is that true or not? I don't know. I just hear that maths and science is actually made cool online and, and it's pushed. I don't know. I hear this. So I'm just speaking out of my ass. But if that is true, what is pushed in the U.S. and Australia? Some fucking kids dancing and dumb shit. I'm not saying it's dumb shit, but like it's it's not the same. But again, I think that's the beauty of the Western culture. Like um, parents actually let their kids decide what they want to do. I, again, could be downfall because as a kid, what do you really know? Like you, like Kerry say, you probably do need that role model, and to aim for, and then uh, drive towards one path. But again, you do have that luxury. Like in Asia country, well, it's kind of like a joke. Uh, they always say that oh, there's only three professions that you want to get in. Can I guess them? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> doctor, lawyer. You want me to be more specific? A lawyer, um, doctor. What's the last say, one? Ah, damn. Doctor, lawyer, or politician. Nah, not politician. Nah, doc- am I right with doctor, lawyer? Yes. Damn, Those what could be the things. last? Damn. So Asians. Damn, okay. What's the Ah, I give up. What's it's the last accountant. One? Accountant? Yeah. Damn. So a lot of family, they say if you have three boys or, or kids, mm. like if you have all three professions, you're fine. If you're sick, your kids will look after you, being a, being a doctor. Mm-hmm. If you get into trouble, the lawyer will get you out of it. Mm-hmm. Accountant, obviously, do your tax. Mm-hmm. I do either dodgy or non-dodgy. <laughs> but again, accountant, it's important because it's finance. So if you have those threes, you're sound. Mm-hmm. And that's why everyone... Like obviously, it's not entirely true. Like just three professions, mm. but again, like um, it's the joke that was talked about, and if it was talked about, it's most likely probably there's some uh, certain truth to it as well. So, 
I'm just saying I wish we had that joke as well. You know, we're still a new country and all that, so I, you know, I, I understand it's going to be a process, but that's why I kind of push now that I think, yeah, I think technology is going to be the quickest way out of a, for a country to get out of poverty or out of, to ascend quickly, because we've seen examples. You guys have done it. <laughs> Japan has done it. Like, I think it's tech. Uh, remember that book I told you about, The Fortunate Sons? I still haven't. Still haven't. Read it. You're too busy. You're working. It's about Young Wing. You ever heard of Young Wing? So Dr. Young Wing was the first Chinese person to go graduate from an American university. Uh, he graduated from. I think he went to Yale. I think it was Yale. And this was in the 1850s or 60s. And um, so the book is cool. It just earlier on, it's about his first week on campus. He ends up finding out about football, gets on the, gets on the field, has a great play, and he's loved early on. But then there are also the, the other stuff where people were racist towards him and all this and all this. Um, he ends up, you know, having to stay with a family that took him in and he was forced to study damn near all day. Um, they end up bringing a, a, a another group with him. So it wasn't just him. It was like him and 12 other students. Anyway, the whole thing with Young Wing is when he ended up graduating, he went back. This this class, They the emperor at the time... Um, I think China was going through a, a little turmoil with some of the the opioid wars, opium wars, and, and, and it was just a, a bad time. There was a lady. I don't know her name. But anyway, I, I, I don't know specifics. I just know the general right now. And uh, they sent, and then they made him be the, after he graduated and came back, they ended up making him the face, and they sent 100 students to... American universities, some of the top universities to go graduate in hopes that they can go learn some of the American side and especially come help and grow the military on the tech side and, and just operation side and all that. And so before these guys graduated, some of them had graduated, um, there was a little turmoil between him and the guy who was supposed to head because they had to also keep their Chinese traditions. They went there and they were afraid that they would go become fully Americanized. And so as much as Young Wing wanted them to fully embrace the American culture as well, he was like kind of, he had his hands tied behind because someone was also sent to oversee the thing and make sure that they were um, also learning about um, Chinese Confucianism. They, they maintain their Chinese culture. Exactly. They didn't lose it. Exactly. And... Uh, Fortunately, it didn't end up going perfectly, and these guys were sent back before they graduated. The guy was like, we're cutting this. These guys are becoming too American. We're sending them back. So these guys, although they were very educated, they end up just being spread out in different, um, back to their hometowns, struggled to get a job. Young Wing had a little struggle when he was back. Um, I think this is when the British were, this is when the British were in, had occupied... I don't want to say Taiwan, but 
wasn't Taiwan. Hong Kong. Hong Kong, sorry. They occupied Hong Kong at the time. And uh, so there was that whole thing going on, but he really struggled to get a job, even though he was well-educated. He, he has a Yale degree and all this. He was also seen as like, yo, you're not from here. Fuck out of here. Like, you know, you're not, you're not one of us. You're one of them. And he's like, I'm us. I love, I love, I love my culture. I love China, but I also, you know, I love some of the American ideals. Um, anyway, so some of these guys end up, after years of struggle, end up getting really high positions in different places. Some of them, some in the government, some this, and when it looked like. They weren't going to do anything. They were failures. These guys end up becoming really powerful. Um, I wish I remembered the names and, and specifically. Uh, one end up coming the emperor, I think. A very, oh, like the right-hand man. He was making decisions. Um, so these guys end up pushing this initiative again and actually help. Just bridge that gap between the U.S. and and, uh, and China. And yeah, I, th I just thought it was awesome because after that, and I'm not going to say it's because of that reason, you saw China really value science and technology, especially in the military and, and, and all that. And when it looked like it was, they had planned like, in decades and hundreds of years, like I just, I just love the thought of that 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 they plan way ahead of time. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's a monolithic thing at all. It's not like there's one big. It's not like saying all of China agrees on 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 uh, values and that. You guys don't have to be quiet here, by the way. You can you can cut me off at any time, and and because I'm just saying what I admired about that book and. And what Young Wing did, being a pioneer in that. He ended up getting really high position, got wealthy and stuff like that. Um, so what I say, think now is, especially for South Sudan, the quickest way to ascend is through technology and pushing that on the next generation and valuing that. Because everyone that I hear who speaks of who goes back home, there's no, the youth are all jobless. It's all unemployed, all of them. So there's nothing to do. And when they look online, I'm assuming, there's actually not even no opportunities even to go to college. There is there is a group that wants to go to university. My brother was telling me the other day, he just spent five years back home. He's like, there's a lot of people who do want to study engineering and stuff, there's just no, can't fucking afford it. But I just think the majority we're not uh, we don't we're not valuing maths and science and technology enough, especially in especially for the ones who are also privileged to be in Australia or the U.S. Um, or Great Britain because we were displaced after the, the wars. We were displaced, and and that was the goal to go learn and bring it back to the country. But we end up coming in fucking playing sports only. 
Probably just need to find that fine balance. Yeah. Like, and again, that's probably why you're here. We're talking about this. You can be that good role model. I don't want to sound super angry. <laughs> I know, <laughs> you're, you're not. But, no. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just no, but then it's just I, I guess that like you can be that <clears throat> role model for um, all the young people. Look up to you and show them what needs to be done to help out. Like we know our good friend Sibit. Like he's Sibid doing a lot mark. of like fantastic things. Yes, he's like I believe he's currently back. Yeah. In um, yeah, to go build. Yeah, to go help out to yep. go build. Yep. Um. So again, he's a great role model as well. And so he played basketball as well for a well. long time. There you go. So I'm not saying like, oh, just come all the way here. Um, the opportunity to come over the way here to Australia, I'll just get to play ball and that's all. No, this uh, you just need to find that fine balance. And I think need to share these ideas to all the young kids, um, literally everyone. And yeah, if everyone can do their bit, um. Yeah, the world will yeah, be much world, better. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the approach I've tried. To, I don't want to help anyone. <laughs> so I just want to. I'm gonna just be the best I can be, and hopefully, whoever wants to take whatever out of it will take something out of it. Yeah, when you try to help people, it doesn't it doesn't work. I don't think so. I think it takes someone with perspective. So you, for example, you've seen both sides. You have that perspective and that drive to just want to see some progress. But even even like when you bring up people um, here who mm. uh, quote unquote like waste their opportunity compared to in South Sudan. Like so you have so much greater opportunity here. Yeah. But you're somewhat wasting it. They don't have that perspective yet to realize um, that what they're doing is what, what you see as a waste. Mm. To them they see oh I can play sports. But then Australia provides me an opportunity to be able to not, for example, not seek further education and still be able to find a job to be able to um, feed myself for the rest of my life. And your family. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so like to them, I guess like, that's what they're looking at and they don't have that perspective that perhaps you have to, oh, I can actually, um, or even if not myself, the next generation to be able to make something greater mm-hmm. and then maybe be able to take back. And so like, like Han brought up Sebet, I think are guys that have that perspective and are willing. Like some people have that perspective and are not willing. And I think that by all means, like you, you don't have that. Like there's not that expectation no for you to have to return home to I, do it. I do think anything. that's fine too. Yeah. Because you're still showing an example. Yeah. Right there, so. Yeah. But then like the guys that are driven who want to take what they've gotten outside of South Sudan to mm. go back. Like I think that that's huge. And if you can have more people inspiring people, inspiring the youth within South Sudan, and I think that that's huge uh, amongst itself. So, yeah, yeah it good. takes some. It takes a special type of person, and not everyone can be that. And I think that that's important to realize as well. Um, but you really do need that perspective. Well, you you got to be on the outside to kind of see what it looks like on the outside and what it looks like on the inside, and where you can, where it can be helped. I want to say one last thing because <laughs> I I've had a little bit of that perspective because I was born over there. There's a lot of kids who were born here. And as much as they hear some of those values from their parents, because they do hear it, they were born here. We can't fucking relate to them. <laughs> we don't know the experience here. They might have a, a, a fight between, oh, I don't know if my cult- this is my culture or if this Australian culture is my culture. But one thing that's become very normal, unfortunately, is 
and I can't blame the kids growing up here, is like the crime. So um, I'll wrap this up. But so when some of the kids are growing up here and they do and they are seeing what's cool, the music, the little Dirk, the this, the that, you know what I'm talking about. So, but they're seeing friends, maybe older relatives make crime normal or jail normal it's easy to slip into that very easy i mean i grew up wanting to be cool and i was a very wild kid as well you know like you know, egypt wasn't very <laughs> clean that's what i meant by that culture shock i came here and learned that oh violence isn't the way to to solve things oh, oh, violence isn't cool oh shit I have, to, I have to change i gotta change things up i'm not gonna survive here i'm demonized here this is crazy but uh so i, I don't want to blame a lot of the kids who grew up here because they're only doing what they're seeing for the most part before their brains are even developed like 15 year olds you're, you're you don't know shit Tw 21 year olds pretty much don't know anything yet so I don't want to say I blame them. I just want to say, how do we, we can't, we can't like eliminate any bad things or bad habits. You kind of have to replace them <laughs> with good habits or good things. If that makes sense. So it, that totally makes sense. And I think yeah, in, all, in all cultures, we see that even just in Australia with yeah. all cultures, yeah. we see that. And so, I mean that's hot topic, hot topic of the day of every day, isn't it? How can we reduce youth crime and yeah. and that sort of thing? But you're right. If you're born into that environment, how can we expect something different from you? Exactly. How? Like, and so really, we have to work from, um, I guess reducing or re yeah, reducing those environments, mm. educating the adults who are there. And hopefully through mm. generations and it's going to be a generational yeah, it's gonna take change time. you yeah. can't it's not like the government can just make harsher laws for example yeah because what happens when people come out and go back go back right into the, like it starts with education you yeah. have to educate and it's going to take generations but i think i think that if we can reduce those environments reduce the number of children kids who are growing up in those environments mm then we can start to see some some changes. But otherwise with, you know, financial and economy hardships increasing, we're only going to see more and Man, more. we're only going to see, yeah, things get wilder. Yeah. And it's, it's fine. It's fine. But we can't focus on it too much. Um, yeah, yeah, I got you. So, man, thank you for coming to pleasure share your wisdom man no it's not wisdom you no no you're very just wise just some person. thoughts nah, no 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 <laughs> i gotta give you your credit this is awesome han didn't think you would come uh so i'm glad you actually came and had a chat with us no carrie's lovely he's, awesome, he's the man i'm Carrie's telling awesome. you yeah, he downplays downplays uh you're like a 30 year old 30 40 year old in spirit too is that good yeah yeah I think that's so. a good thing i think so. <laughs> I, don't, I mean <laughs> i don't know <laughs> We could be out in the street. We could do both. We could be yeah, out in the streets it. tonight, Carrie. We that's could do both, it. man. We it's can. all good. Let's get on to the street again. Let's get into like, the streets. Like last like, night. Like last <laughs> night. Walk around. Get yeah, lost. Like 2 a.m. <laughs> still walking around, finding <laughs> Maccas. <laughs> Trying to find some food. That was yeah. Oh, man. That nice. was hilarious. Huh? Thank you. BSBL, nice. thank you. Jordan, thank you. thank you. This is... Well, let's go play this game today and see yes. how we go. Let's, yeah, uh, let's, let's do it. Appreciate you. I'm going to I'm gonna leave the people with a song. I haven't done that in a while. Um yeah, let's stop packing up. But I'm going to leave the people with the song. You have any requests? Any requests? Any requests? No. Or you? All right. Say less. I got it. Don't worry.
Thing kind of cool. What up? What up, though? Music corner. I like to welcome everybody out tonight. Welcome all the new marathon members to the experience of a lifetime. I need y'all hands up, though. Yeah. No, I don't want your love. That's not why I make music. I owe myself. I told myself back then that I would do this. And I always look so out of reach and just seem so confusing. That I found my place in life, a young black man that seems so useless. And I don't want no help. Just let me suffer through this. The world would not know Jesus Christ if there was never Judas. This knife that's in my back would be the truth that introduced us. And the distance in between us is the proof of my conclusion. So life is what you make it. I hope you make a movement. Hope your opportunity surrounds survives the opportunist hoping as you walk across the sand you see my shoe print and you follow till it change your life because it's all evolution and i hope you find your passion because i found mine in this music but i hope it's not material because that's all an illusion and they all in collusion this racist institutions double standard acting like they not the reason why we ruthless but tonight me by my progress look look at where i started and look at where i'm standing y'all can say it's luck but i know that it's planning shout out to the pain that gave me understanding shout out to my gang turned me to a savage so they can say what they want to but i go through what you haven't and it's not ego driven it's not me boasting and bragging this road i chose to go down hard to slow down when in traffic in order for me to grow i had to let go of some habits and it's easy to say i'm on now because you see it and it happened but before it ever did had to believe and get it cracking so i'm gonna take you back then 32 shots in my mac 10 with a dream minus the means my early teens was fucking tragic and deep inside my mind is buried crimes you can't imagine that i wrestle with at night demons i fight i can't get past it so no matter how straight your cash get it don't matter if you plastic we was looking for the lights and all we stumbled across was flashes but tonight So they hope my homies kill me, kill me. But I ain't want the fame I just wanted y'all to feel me It's my time So I'm going in We ball till we fall Fuck how the story ends I see these niggas hating I know you hoes plotting I ain't worried about it Cause I know God got me Got me Got me Got me Say I know God got me Got me Got me Got me Yeah I know God got me Got me Got me Got me Yeah I know God got me See I ain't worried about it Cause I know God got me, got me, got me, got me, got me, got me. Once in a lifetime shit, you know? Song dedicated to everybody out there with a motherfucking dream. Fuck what they say, do your shit. Marathon, nigga, 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 nigga. This shit ain't gonna stop till I say it's gonna stop. It ain't gonna stop till you say it's gonna stop. And it ain't gonna be unless you make it, make it, make it, make it. It's your time, get up off your ass. 
Ten toes down out here. No, no, no. I swear to God, I shed tears in this motherfucking booth, nigga. My niggas that's gone, 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 gone. My niggas that can't be here with me. For the ones that is, that is, that is. Shout out my beautiful little girl, Imani. Shout out my big bro, Black Sand. Shout out my nigga, Fats. Shout out my bro, Adam. Shout out my A and B's. You know what this is. It's the motherfucking marathon. And this shit ain't gonna stop, man. 100, 100, 100.